You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes Deadair Nipe here with always Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 1985 classic, The Stuff. This is a request coming into us hot from Craig Chaos, host of the Uncommon Interest podcast. So thank you very much, Craig. We appreciate um, the requests and all the retweets and all the help promoting the show. Yeah, if you want to listen to us talk to Craig, you can go and listen on Uncommon Interest to an interview you did with me and Wes. Mm-hmm. Very awesome. informative. If you like to hear about us talking. This has been like a total Saturday morning cartoon kind of day for me because we're up super early to record this and the stuff has a real Saturday morning cartoon feel and I'm like sitting here cozy in my new This Is Horror t-shirt. Check it out. Wes, I mean, I, I was like, they can't, can't see, see, but I can, awesome? I can see it. Yeah. yeah. It's got a raven on it. Yeah. It, it's just so super cool. And I do love, you know, aside from listening to all the other podcasts that I listen to, um, This Is Horror is like my super ultra big time favorite. Super ultra big time favorite. Yeah. It's one of the, my <laughs> super ultra big time favorites that we haven't been on, of course, because I was on Beinhorter Cast for their episode 130, mm-hmm. which it just dawned on me that 130 has 13 in it. So that makes it extra lucky and cool. Oh, okay. And then Uncommon Interests, yeah. So thanks, Craig, for some Saturday morning hangouts in my new cozy t-shirt. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, when Craig originally asked us to, he submitted a whole bunch of movies to us. And I can't remember exactly everyone that was on the list, but I do remember a lots of different titles. And each one of them were good. But what drew me to wanting to talk about this stuff was the fact that it is such a unique and weird movie. It's from the 80s, which I love. But also, it is a killer junk food movie. Think about that. Think about that. Isn't all junk food a killer? Yeah, but this is one that invades your mind. See, in the 1980s, we're all yuppie, 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 spend, spend, spend. The consumerism in the decade was what people seem to remember a lot about that decade. And I don't know exactly why this decade as opposed to any other decade. I always wonder, is it because of the fact that there was things like... TV shows marketing toys to children that became really big. Is it because of the fact that um, like stockbrokers became famous? Uh, like it was all about big business and it was all about making that dollar, chasing that type of stuff. Was it all the cocaine? Like I don't know what exactly. Well, it- cocaine definitely has something to do with it because I kind of touch on that here and there, <clears throat> especially at the end of this film. But it's probably more noticeable because it's become so commonplace now Mm -hmm. food fads marketing to children marketing things and you had pointed this out while we're watching it that you can't really get like they have a a stuff shack sort of like a dairy queen selling the stuff and you can get it in stores and and you can get it at gas stations like yeah and you can get it at like an ice cream stand like on the street yeah so like there's not a lot of products that were really like that in the 80s and the first time i could remember seeing something from a restaurant or tv commercial in a supermarket was probably Saint Hubert gravy for French mm-hmm. fries. Over Saint there. Hubert is a, is like a it's a chicken chicken joint. Yeah, a chicken restaurant it's like in Canada. Quebec. Yeah, it's yeah. based in Quebec, so it's probably not popular for our U.S. listeners. And I don't know if the fluff 
is because that's another thing. You this was uh, educational for me because you had told me about the fluff and you were talking to you were talking about it to me very matter of fact. And I didn't know what the fuck you were talking about. It sort of almost worked as well as someone talking about the stuff. And what do you mean you haven't tasted the stuff? It's wonderful. <laughs> enough is never enough. Here, taste it, Wes. I don't want to. Uh, fluff. Has anyone ever pushed Nutella on you like that? The, I've I've had people have reactions to me that I've never eaten Nutella. Yeah. Where it's like, what? It's like when you tell an Australian that you've never had Vegemite. And they, you tell a hipster you don't like bacon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they tweak their 1920s mustache and like what do you mean you don't like bacon mm. and by the way i don't like fucking bacon either so you can send me your angry fucking tweets because that's the other damn thing that people are, you don't like bacon no i don't like bacon i've never had nutella and i don't know what the fluff is i'm I also think, not 600 pounds so bah. i think the hipster donut shop next door has like a nutella bacon donut dude if you ever want to like join the dark side there's enough um, Instagram photos I see of people taking pictures of them eating those donuts. So I, I guess, sorry, this is like a long tangent. Yeah, but no, but the fluff does exist. It is, when me and my friend Terry first watched this, we became fixated on this movie like we did with a lot of like 1980s horror. Mm-hmm. This was the sort of thing, like 85, hearkening to our Demons episode where it's a film that my parents would say, no, you can't watch that. Mm-hmm. The stuff, though, when I'd pull the stuff off the rack and be like, can we rent this? They'd be like, hell yeah, of course you can rent this stuff. After watching this, because we weren't like junk food kids, and in my house in particular, we weren't really allowed junk food. and My parents just simply didn't buy it. Mm-hmm. So for us to be go begging for this marshmallow spread, and I was thinking even between watching the film and now, like our little break that we take between recording, like, do I ever remember actually eating it? No, I don't. And I don't know what people would use it for. But it's very similar. If you want to laugh, go and look for it if you've never eaten the fluff or heard about it. The marketing campaigns, the photographs online, all the vintage jars, because it's been around since the 20s. That's crazy to me. Sell it door to door. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's like a whole, it's an institution. It's When somebody says to me, marshmallow spread, I just think, well, that's the worst. (laughs) What do you do with that? Yeah. So I thought that it was like a new thing. 1920s, you say. 1920s. And I guess it goes in those product lines of food to market for kids for energy, you know, sugar energy, healthy sugar. (laughs) It's funny that you should say that because of the fact that I have seen older commercials for very heavily sugar-based products that are that are saying no it'll give you the energy you need to start your day and now of course everyone's stop eating the refined sugar guys it's killing you yeah this is a really hilarious one if you're uh somebody's very concerned about things like all the sugar that you eat in your diet and high fructose corn syrup and stuff like that this is like a hilarious anti-propaganda film to be watching (laughs) now to be fair there are other horror movies that do exist that talk about that that are something that can seem innocuous that is actually part of a much larger conspiracy they live kind of comes to mind for a movie that has very similar themes invasion of the body snatchers both the original and the remake are very similar in themes the idea of this film is that there is a product that was discovered that just tastes great and they know this because these farmers find it bubbling up from the earth miners or something find it bubbling up from the earth and their knee-jerk reaction is to put that shit in their mouth now i know that it's like floor pills what is 
do. Yum, yum, yum. This movie must have been the worst for you because there's a lot of eating. There's a lot of people dipping their fingers in things and giving it to other people so they can eat it. You guys don't see, but she is twisting, just contorting her face. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it at all. And there's a lot of stuff. And I didn't expect to not like it because it's not like the focus, right? Like not it, really. Like eating the stuff well, they don't the focus, but, but like... But there's no slow-mo glossy <laughs> scenes of them doing that type of shit. Yeah, it's not like watching like Asian horror where they're eating noodles right in your face. Man, Sushi Typhoon, stop it. Yeah. Why do you do that all the time? Why is two minutes of your movie dedicated to eating like that? I'd hate to see a remake that's like like dedicated to fucking grossing me out. Yeah. A remake of the stuff where it's a lot of eating the stuff. But like it's really when the, that um colonel guy has his fingers in the girl's high heel shoes. That's like the triple gross. That that put me over the edge. But it's not as gross as some food gross movies for sure. It could have gotten very scary, like excess flesh or eat, something like that. Mm-hmm. It could have got really gross like uh, slither creeps things that go in and out of your mouth it's mm-hmm. not that bad thank god and i'm glad that the stuff doesn't actually like attack and crawl down people's mouths in a really mm-hmm. visceral manner or that even the destruction of the body isn't as gross as let's say the blob remake from the 1980s not at all no and this is why it was perfect for kids and it, then and it's perfect for kids now much like eating high sugar spreads for breakfast so this movie will this. definitely give you the energy that you need to get through your day and enough is never enough. Mm-mm, not with the stuff. So after these people discover this product, in less than five minutes, we gloss over the manufacturing process. And it's just in stores absolutely everywhere. No overnight sensation. It comes in tubs, almost like a Haagen-Dazs uh, small ice cream containers. And it's just in grocery store aisles, there are dedicated restaurants to it. Like restaurants. I guess back in, Baskin Robbins would be like the sort of thing Baskin where you can Robbins, get yeah. Baskin Robbins ice cream at a Baskin Robbins or you can get it in the store, right? Mm-hmm. And they, they have television commercials that play. As a matter of fact, throughout this film, they have several, uh, three different uh, television commercials, each with their own little jingle. Which I love. Yeah, you can probably find them all on YouTube and listen to them. Put them as your ringtone to wake up in the morning. Or put them as the extra to this very episode. No, please. <laughs> if there's one thing I love, listeners, it's novelty songs. And this episode, definitely, we have some novelty songs in this film. And our next episode, we got a novelty song. Although it's not as novel as, let's say, the Blob theme song from the 1950s with uh, Steve McQueen. However... This is pretty good, too, because the commercials are done in the style of probably a Pepsi or Coca-Cola commercial back in the 1980s. I don't really remember TV commercials from that era at all, honestly. I was uh, very, very young in the 80s, so I'm really more of a 90s kid. I remember them very, very clearly, and you're totally right. And they could have really amped that up, and they didn't. It works almost innocuously, sort of like a foodstuff infiltrating mankind mm-hmm. would work in on there's a fucking where's the beef reference 
which I do know is from the 1980s, except instead of saying, where's the beef, it's an old lady just going, where's the stuff? <laughs> which is exactly it. That's the <laughs> where's the beef. Oh, my God. You can find that on YouTube, I'm sure, for the, our younger <laughs> listeners or people that don't care about TV and stuff like that. But we had a where's the beef fridge magnet when I was little. And I was just like, when it showed up, I was like, what the hell? And my mom was like, ah, someone gave it to me. And I'm like, so you, so you didn't throw it in the garbage? <laughs> like, there, was a, there was a where's the beef rap song. So what the fuck? <laughs> and no rap song for the fluff. Man, someone's got to kill. You know what they got to do? They got to get the marketing agent from this movie onto the fluff because I've never heard of the fluff. I work overnights at a grocery store, yeah, and I've never seen this product before, which is weird to me because I was showing him pictures of the jars and I thought it would jog his memory, but no, not at all. But yeah. it goes to show that we're not like junk food junkies and hanging out in the fucking fluff section of the store. It's true. Don't get me wrong. I have some terrible eating habits, but for some reason, it's not very, um, it doesn't seem to ever be weird things like this, like where it's just like, here's like a tub of some sort of sugary spread because I wouldn't even know what to do with it. Yeah, right. I was it's like, do I toast? eat it out of the tub or do I spread Black. it on bread? I don't want to put that on bread. What do you do with it? It's that, that's my, that was my disconnect with Nutella. Because it's like, you put it on bread. I don't want chocolate bread. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I don't want marshmallow bread. I, I can't yeah. figure out what to do. That's why I was thinking, like, we made mom buy it a couple times, and she rebelled every time, and then finally put her foot down and said, you guys aren't eating this. Why am I buying it? We we're buying it just because it was, like, the stuff, and then my friend Terry could imitate the set piece death. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> I don't remember actually eating the shit, though. Gross. I don't like marshmallows to begin with, so I can see why I wouldn't eat that. But I guess that's supposed to be the flavor. It's sweet. It's cloyingly sweet. But people are eating it for breakfast, lunch, dinner. It's apparently a great weight loss tool. My oh, mom's yeah, lost five pounds. Yeah. Never felt better. Yeah. It's whatever it's made out of. It has all the things that people need to survive. And right? we're not sure what it's made out of. And man, do people want to know. That is the big question there is some ice cream moguls i guess you could call them people who are also <laughs> they want to keep the world safe for ice cream yeah <laughs> that's a fucking line in this <laughs> it's a pretty good line yeah because the world does need to be safe for ice cream lydia we don't know what's in this stuff but they're gonna find out they're gonna get uh, mo rutherford who is a former fbi agent now industrial saboteur and they're going to hire this dashing rogue to uncover what exactly is in the stuff? So they're not sure. It's a trademark secret. Sort of like what is the syrup in Coca-Cola? Mm-hmm. Product placement. Yeah. Well, well, the guy's drinking a can of Coke. He's like, we got to stop. You got to stop these addictive properties of the stuff. Glug, 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 Coke. <laughs> Which is hilarious because I don't know if that was necessarily a product placement, quote unquote, like we would see now. Yeah. Or if it was just that no one cared about trademarks and stuff at that point. It was mm-hmm. just starting... People were just starting to become a little be... bit more litigious about yeah, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it just happened to have a Coca-Cola can handy. So not only do we have Mo, who, by the way, when this character is introduced, he is, you know, fast walking, fast talking, silver tongued liar who throws out punches the way some people might throw out a handshake. He is almost instantly presented as someone who might be a villain. But I guess this is going to be our hero because we're also at the, around the same time introduced to a young boy named Jason. Jason in the middle wakes up in the middle of the night scratching at his body like he's got the chicken pox and goes downstairs for a snack when he opens up the refrigerator. This 
tub of stuff has been tipped over and it seems to be moving independent of itself. His father comes downstairs, scolds him, but now Jason doesn't want to eat it at all because it's this it's moving. It's it's a there's something alive in it. Yeah, and I guess he hadn't it was a new thing for their family, so they he hadn't eaten it yet. Unlike everyone else in the fucking world, it seems. Mm-hmm. Now, this movie is going to bounce around a little bit between characters because <laughs> And tone. Yeah, and like, tone. it's really crazy how to really pin this down. I mean, there's comedic elements to, into it. There's action elements into it. And there's horror elements into it. This is like an action horror comedy with this weird, very 80s gloss over it. And it seems almost as if... Have you ever seen that flick, Terrorvision? Which almost seems like a movie... It was made in the 80s, but it seems like a movie that wasn't made in the 80s that is trying to make it look like it was made in the 80s. I feel the same way about the stuff. Even though this movie was made uh, smack dab center in the middle of the decade, Mm -hmm. it seems to me like something that would have been made yesterday, but they're really trying to make it seem like it's made in the 80s. Where they're pulling the walkie-talkie out of that like ice cream Yeah, they're pulling the walkie-talkies out. I mean, the kid's got Star Wars bed sheets. His older brother's playing the Atari. We couldn't figure out what game on the Atari. So if anyone's like... A 2600 fan and is going to watch the stuff keep an eye out for it and let me know because yeah. i want to know yeah you want to know what they're playing i couldn't identify it there was a lot of games on the 2600 you can't blame me oh uh, yeah no totally <clears throat> my brain keeps saying damn busters that was a vic 20 program <laughs> uh, speaking of ancient history <laughs> what can i say but you'd have to talk to larry cohen about that yeah about why it seems so satirical it's taking place contemporary for the and i'm wondering like larry cohen is the director he also was the dude that penned this uh script are these it, things that just accidentally like i was saying at the beginning of demons it's like these people were coiffed and chosen and dressed for these roles to look like they belonged on a subway downtown in the 80s were these people that just rolled out of bed like is that what the kids bedroom actually looked like is did they have walkie-talkies just handy because I know my father had walkie-talkies just like that in the 80s. So, like, if people just had these things handy or were they specifically chosen to heighten the look of the time? It seems to me that Cohen would have had an idea about 80s consumerism. I mean, this was not something that intelligent or hip people at the time wouldn't be aware of. It's the same way that we have uh, social commentary nowadays about our lives now. However, it's always easier to go back decade by decade to really sort of polarize, okay, what was the last 10 years really about as a culture? Where were we Uh, in the United States, in Canada, all over the world? What was the one thing that we can pull away from this decade? And a lot of people who look back in the 1980s, obviously you, you pull out things like pastels and synth music and consumerism and but it seems like it was written by somebody who really had their finger on the pulse because it seems like openly satirical about the decade that you're currently living in which is a fucking magic trick because typically speaking you're too close to it obviously there's going to be very brazen things that are going to be popping out at you oh yeah like watching a john hughes movie he was cool hunting at the time yeah that's not him being a futurist and projecting backward yeah which is what cohen is doing with this film yeah really putting things into this movie that aesthetically 
just screams the decade. Because there's tons of movies that come out of the 1980s that don't really have all of this stuff in it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's tons of movies that come out from all decades that look like they could have been filmed and written in any decade because they're not talking about the times. This movie very specifically seems to be talking about the times, whereas the, the, this this craze about this product could be any product, any food stuff, any non-food stuff, anything, right? It could they it could be people going nuts for Cabbage Patch dolls. Yeah, yeah. You know, which um, my father had a hilarious story about shopping for a Cabbage Patch doll around Christmas time. Oh, God. For my sister. My sister, there was one specific Cabbage Patch doll. And I I really wish I could remember which one it was. Because my sister had a bunch of them. And an old woman hit my father with her cane. And and to to get the Cabbage Patch doll away from him. So I could just, and my dad was not a dude that I ever could even envision being in like Toys R Us. He was just such a gruff, rough dude that I couldn't imagine him fighting for a doll in a toy store. Um, but I guess he did. And that was sort of an apocryphal story that. That's insane to me. <laughs> and so, but but here's the good news about the stuff is there's so fucking much of it. People aren't fighting over it. They just can't eat enough of it. And it's actually kind of disgusting because, look, it's a dessert. But it basically becomes an entire meal replacement for The mom people. is serving it in a serving That's bowl. That's ridiculous and serving to me. up bowls of this shit for dinner, lunch, yeah. breakfast. But yeah, the serving bowl caught me too. Like, <laughs> we're just, let's just eat the... Because that's the other thing. I was like, look, if we're all just eating out of fucking tubs of ice cream anyway, why am, I, why am I dirtying a dish? You may as well just throw out all the dishes and buy spoons. Yeah. And we'll all just... And you know what? If we're just... Talk about mass consumption anyway. Just get plastic spoons. We'll throw them fuck out. Fuck this. The amount of times that people just dip their fingers into this disgusting stuff. Why don't... Fuck spoons. Why don't they just like grab it by the handfuls and smear it all over their faces? <laughs> That's fucked up. I don't I don't eat a lot of sugar mm-hmm. at all. So like this is like triple growth to me because I can't imagine force feeding myself or anyone or watching somebody eat this much sugar. We had a photo shoot, me and a friend... It's one of the images I actually ended up on the cover of the new night, the most recent Night Face release of blood dripping out of a mouth. The whole reason that photo came about is because we were doing a black ice cream and bloody syrup photo shoot, me and a friend. And uh, we did, well, God, we shot for about two hours of a lot of this black ice cream. And she wasn't eating a lot of it, of course. It was just like inner mouth, outer mouth, you know, and we had a little spit bucket and all that stuff. But... The syrup, when it came time near the end, when it was the set was pretty messy and her latex was pretty messy by that point. So we had had a lot of this blood syrup and we were using like strawberry Nestle syrup stuff that you use to make pink milk. Gotcha. Like quick? Like Nestle quick? quick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The syrup stuff with a little bit of the chocolate mixed in to make it like a nice blood color. So it was like a really edible syrupy blood, right? And it worked really, really well. Highly recommended for people doing edible blood shoots. Mm-hmm. Um, but fuck, she started getting really gaggy, you know, and I wouldn't want a model to eat or taste something that I didn't taste. Like I made grave dirt out of like ground up chocolate wafers and stuff. And mm-hmm. I did taste yeah. that to make sure it was edible, but this was like cloyingly sweet and just too. And that's what I keep thinking when I'm watching the stuff is just like how much fucking syrup and ice cream I made Cassandra have in her mouth that day, whether she ate it, like she hardly ate any of it. We had a little ice cream to start, you know, like to taste it and stuff. 
but the rest of the day it was just spit bucket. I, I couldn't imagine the show with it because they were using like yogurt and ice cream and marshmallow fluff and shaving cream and fire retardant cream, all kinds of like things to make this stuff. But they mm-hmm. did definitely eat some of it. Must have just grossed people out. Especially when you're on take five, take six, take ten. Yeah. And seeing what Cassandra went through for two hours and how grossed out she was by the end. Yeah. So Jason is going to go on a one boy crusade against the stuff. He doesn't want anybody eating it because there's something wrong with it. And he notices that his family is acting pretty strange these days. Well, you're talking like you're in a commercial. (laughs) He goes to a grocery store and enacts what I've seen kids do. Which freaked me out that, that people behave like this. I've seen a smash jar, jar mm-hmm. or like the worst is ketchup because I really fucking repulsed by ketchup. Like The smell of ketchup is very strong. I can smell it for miles. I could walk into a grocery store where someone smashed ketchup and I'd have to probably leave. It's gross. Especially mm. if it's oxidized. As soon as it starts to get that rusty ketchup smell. Bleh. But uh, that freaked me out that people would cause a ruckus like this. And you had like mentioned parallels to They Live. Where he's got that same sort of fever pitch. Like, no, everyone, stay away from it. You yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the difference really is the fact that this is like a 10-year-old kid. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, a big uh, Rowdy Piper. And he has no real proof either because like... No, he saw... Rowdy Piper could put sunglasses on somebody and be like, look. Yeah, exactly. Right? This is trying to tell people. And by the way, yeah, so if you're eating this stuff, you're part of the hive mind. So you're in on it. You know, like even if you kind of don't know, you know, because the stuff is what it does seems to use you as a host to get around and to do things that it can't do by itself because it's a fucking glob of white. It must grow more stuff in you, too. Like this is either a primordial beast that we've awoken from the bowels of the earth mm-hmm. so you know or it's an alien like yeah either or the earth right but i guess like those spoonfuls of stuff start to grow inside of you so mm-hmm. i guess they're eating enough stuff to fill up their insides with it but mm-hmm. yeah it works really good as a transportation device because you could fill up a person with stuff and then have them go in somebody or somewhere where the stuff hasn't infiltrated yet mm-hmm. right so they're like the, the ultimate trojan horse yeah that's how it operates. Now, the kid gets grounded, put up into his room, and that's kind of where we leave him for a little while. We go back to Moa, because he always wants Moa, and he is, well, that's literally his... I know, but it's hilarious, because, like, enough is never enough, and Moa always wants Moa. Can't they all just get along? Why doesn't he just eat the stuff? He meets Nicole, who, her job is been the marketing genius behind advertising this stuff to the masses. She is writing and shooting the commercials. She is the one that determined the the look of the packaging, everything, every aspect of the marketing she seems to be at the center of. Now, the reason why he goes to the marketer is basically because of the fact that everyone who originally approved the food, and because obviously... It went through FDA licensing it, 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 like any food stuff it, does. Ex- exactly. But mysteriously, everyone in the FDA who approved the product no longer works there has left the country or has died by committing suicide and mo doesn't really seem to be getting anywhere with anyone no one knows anything no one really knows what's in the stuff people who he does run into have very basic information and or are already consuming the stuff in large quantities he does meet one person who was on the original board who has been feeding the product to his dog 
and also eating it in large quantities themselves. And he gives them information, but nothing confidential and nothing concrete. So he is essentially grasping at straws. He might assume that the person who is in charge of marketing might at least have an idea about where it's actually put together, not where it's manufactured, because the, the, even the manufacturers don't like where like they know how to put it into the container. But before but before that process, nobody seems to know exactly how it's fucking made. Yeah, it's it's more airtight than Coca-Cola. And they don't want to know. They don't seem to care to know, especially if they're eating it, because then they're just like, it's wonderful stuff and I can't get enough. So mm. they don't care. Or it's like, well, it's a secret, you know, like how they get the caramel in the caramel bar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how much we know about these sugary foods. Now that I've watched this, we've, we've thrown out so many references while we're watching it and now mm-hmm. to all these like foods. That's the thing about marketing is that it does get into you and people can look back on commercials as fondly look you can fucking go to youtube right now and people have made compilations of commercials that existed in the 1980s the 1970s the 1960s um all the way back to when people were like stopping their acting in the middle of a scene so they can go thompson's brill cream (laughs) folks let me tell you or the latest in the labor saving devices so this idea of commercials and and you you can tell people jingles and they can complete them for you. Oh, yeah. Um, it's definitely infectious. Like, not unlike the stuff. And like working mm-hmm. at the Dion Quinn's museum, the Dion Quinn tuplets were used to sell all kinds of products, mm-hmm. including uh, beehive corn syrup. Mm-hmm. So like selling these sugars to kids with kids. Mm-hmm. It was this marketing virus mm-hmm. that had shaken us, like I guess, from the 30s onward. Mm-hmm. Looking at old magazines that I have downstairs for inspiration, it's all like very insidious marketing Mm -hmm. that is designed to actually become viral and make you believe that you can't live without it all the basic appeals of marketing appealing to your home appealing to your lifestyle appealing to your health appealing to your sex appealing to Mm -hmm. all the things that the stuff appeals to even coming back from my broadcasting uh degree i mean one of the, the the biggest lessons that they taught you in that i i remember it so vividly they were they were the they the general question to the, that was posed to a classroom. We had a special guest, and he was part of the marketing of a radio station. And he asked people, "What is radio? What what is radio? What is it?" And every and and so certain people ten different answers. Yeah. yeah. So, and 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 nope, nope, nope. You're all you're all wrong. Um, and, and and he was like, "Write this down. This is important. This is what you need to know. What radio is." And he says, radio is selling demographics to advertisers. That's what radio is. That's the only thing that radio is. And And then five people left the chorus, disillusioned forever. (laughs) Well, uh, another question posed to us on day one was, what's your favorite song? What's your favorite type of music? And everyone answers. And then nobody cares. That was literally the answer to the question. Nobody cares. It's it's like you your favorite song is whatever radio station you're playing and the song you're playing right now that's your favorite song, and th- and that's just the reality. Television's the exact same way. Everything that brings a message to people, by and large, if there's a lot of advertisement, is to advertise a demographic to people. And I'm bristling inside, and I'm trying to not even I like we're, we'll we'll get back to the plot of the stuff, you know. And I'll just have to say thank God for podcasts that don't have advertising. And now a word from our sponsors, listeners. 
Uh, Thompson's mustache cream, Lydia. Let me tell you, I never leave the house without it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the look she's giving me, guys. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So back to the plot of this film. You know, mustache cream would do better on podcasts than socks and mattresses, like for sure. Anyway. Okay. Are you talking about those sturdy Casper mattresses that come right to your door? Oh, let's not. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about those, whatever they are. Um, so back to the plot of the film. <laughs> what do you got to say about Mo? What a fucking weird dude, right? He reminds me of Foghorn Leghorn, but like anyone with a southern <laughs> accent does. I can't watch Garden of Good and Evil without thinking about Foghorn Leghorn. But it seems like such a put-on accent. Like if somebody were to talk to me with that much of a drawl, I would just assume that they're making it up. Does like, Michael Moriarty have an accent? Uh, well, I don't know. The only other... Uh, God, I can't remember the last flick that I saw him in, but I don't know. I don't think he does. Like I think it was <laughs> totally forced and affected, but it worked. Well, it definitely worked. He's He kind of comes off as like a shyster, right? I mean, because even when he's introducing himself to people, he's like, oh, that's a sweaty palm. That's a sweaty palm. That's a power move. He's yeah. making people uncomfortable by like taking their hands and saying, you got a sweaty palm. Oh, you're sweaty. You're sweaty. He's telling them that they're nervous. Even if their palm's not even sweaty, he's telling them that the, their palms are sweaty. It's a fucking mind game, man. Yeah. And this is the type of character that he is. And when he's lying to Nicole about being, I'm an oil tycoon and uh, I'm going to buy your company and you're going to advertise. Like, so she's instantly into, into him because of what she can do for his career. It's very much that. But then the next time you see this cat, like he's hanging out with Chocolate Chip Charlie. Which I didn't really understand how Chocolate Chip Charlie uh, was loved by tens of millions of people. What was it Chocolate Chip Charlie did? Did he sell ice cream? Yeah, he was a, He was part of a... He owned an ice cream company. Now, the stuff had basically bought him out. And it was... A, like, I guess it was a hostile takeover or something. Or at the very least, he got booted out of... Yeah, they stole his company and kicked him off the board. Yeah, and so... And, and he was the face of the company. Chocolate Chip Charlie was the guy... You know, like Colonel Sanders or fucking um, Ronald McDonald or fucking... Even uh, says he's not Colonel Sanders, so careful yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, or Dave Thomas, somebody yeah. like that. Like the face of, of the company. He's got martial art moves because, man, let me tell you, the first time we meet Chocolate Chip Charlie, he's fucking like jumping off a car and like punching down on the pavement. and cr- It's crazy. Yeah, because they have the same sort of goal, him and Mo, mm-hmm. to figure out what the stuff is. Chocolate Chip Charlie wants to take them down mm-hmm. with force. You know, he's all about throwing punches. Where Mo is trying to be a little more diligent, even though he is this con man, FBI, saboteur personality. He wants to go about things a little more high tech and a little more smooth. Mm-hmm. By high tech, we mean walkie talkies. <laughs> Chocolate Chip, uh, Charlie, played by Garrett Morris, who uh, people at the time would know was big on SNL. He had a bunch of uh, recurring characters, or at least one recurring character that I could really think of and um i didn't recognize him at all and when i saw on wikipedia they were thinking of casting arsenio hall which would have been far more memorable to me and people still kind of remember who arsenio hall is now you know like mm-hmm. this guy he's well, on tv you say yeah he's he's on uh, the the two broke girls cast okay. uh, he's he's so he's still working and people definitely know who he was and at the time yeah like snl was was a big noise in the 1980s and so if you could get 
an alum from that show, certainly it would definitely work. Arsenio Hall would have been a good choice too. I like Arsenio Hall as well. He's hilarious. So he was the most memorable character because I haven't seen this since it came out. Yeah. That's another way. This was such a cozy little, aside from like me curled in a ball with my t-shirt and being all cute and stuff. (laughs) It was probably exactly how I'd watched this when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I saw it. I barely remembered. I remembered the dog and I remembered him and the stuff and the stuff itself and mm-hmm. the marketing of this stuff. I remember all the commercials. I've seen this movie more recently than you have, mm-hmm. I think, because I um, I saw it as a kid again on television and then I saw it and then I bought the DVD when the DVD came out and I was like, oh, the stuff. Cool. And so we're getting that. And then I watched it then. And so I've seen it a couple of times since then. What always strikes me so strangely about the tone of the movie is the fact that Mo is like fucking Forrest Gump and just seems to be like wandering through this story with like this weird escalation. And you had likened it to South Park when we were watching it. And then I, you instantly polarized it for me. Yes, because uh, South Park would make a fucking South Park episode that starts off with a food product that everyone is into and just name anything that anything, I don't know. It's a lot like the human scent iPad episode in a way. I was just going to say, I was like, I, cause I was going to say like, it's just like the cell phone thing they did or like that, like, you know, where everyone's just got to have like the latest fucking thing and, 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 and people will just agree to anything to get it. Fuck that human scent. That, that. Before you know it, someone's kidnapped and the army's involved. Yeah, I know. And yeah. it's, like, it's just like a fucking huge escalation right or in south park episode is like oh we're playing superheroes and then next thing it's like cthulhu is like fucking ripping from the fucking center of the earth right and you're like what the fuck how did we get in 22 minutes someone says commies five seconds later kim jong-il is there no but but like that's exactly how it is and it's like how in 22 minutes did we get here let me tell you something this movie is not that fucking long and (laughs) and and we are instantly bombarded well, yeah, and like Jason goes from being grounded for a life, quote unquote, to tricking his parents into thinking that he's going to join them and eat the stuff alongside them <laughs> by tricking them and eating shaving cream. <laughs> I like I like that he's trying to like put the ruse on, right? He's like doing a little grift and he's like, yeah, mm, I can't stop eating this stuff. And then well, when he just has his family fooled and he's like, oh, he's going to be all right. Well, he's eating shaving cream, so he's not going to be all right. So he immediately has to go retch, and he puts down the fucking shit on the table, and the dad's like, wait a second, shaving cream? And so he runs out the front door, and he gets picked up by Mo of all people. Mm, who knows that the kid, because this He kid, made the front cover of the <laughs> Richmond Times Dispatch. Could you imagine? A ki- so a kid goes into a grocery store and knocks over a bunch of shit on the shelves, and then what? Like a spinning newspaper? <laughs> like, here we are. Like The the high mind's becoming apparent. At this point, one character has already referred to them as we. And as we, leave yeah. us alone. Mm-hmm. And we aren't hurting anyone. Owners. Yeah. So I guess that was the first, like, attack on them. Mm-hmm. Right? So, of course, the newspaper people who are all, like, stuffies. Stuffies is, is like the the pejorative slang term that that we've it's a racial slur we could even call it. kind of basically mo starts it it's a thing now it's a thing now they're stuffies so like the stuffies would be like oh my god this boy is wrecking up the store and attacking the stuff that's front page news if it bleeds it leads man <laughs> fuck right 
extra, extra, read all about it. Little boy throws tantrum in grocery store. No. <laughs> Little boy attacks us. He's on to us. He's yeah. figured us out. He That's refuses true. to amalgamate. Mm, he's a nonconformist. Yeah. He's yeah. a rebel. And something must be done about him. Grounded for life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course I made the front pages. So Mo gets wind of this. By the way, him and Nicole like are kissing now. Like, I, it's weird to me. Like, like it seems like there was a chunk of the, the romantic part of this movie, which I know you don't give a shit about. But, like, when, when I'm just, like, a character... When, when the next time I see characters together, they're interacting like a couple. I'm like, what happened here? They fucked. They and fucked. They definitely fucked. Because he was like, I'm an industrial saboteur. And my next line was, let's fuck. And <laughs> <laughs> then they were dating. Would that work on you? Like, if someone came up to you and said they're an industrial saboteur? What industry and how sabotage do you get? I don't know. Let's say it's like a foodstuff saboteur. No, that's not interesting to me. What if he's got those big red cowboy boots? No, absolutely not interesting to me. Because <laughs> I'm just assuming he's not wearing socks and I'm instantly grossed out. I find like his boots were the most distracting thing. Every time that cat sat down, his pant legs would go up. So I, it was really obvious that he was wearing boots. And I was just like, the only thing I can concentrate on is the fact that this dude is wearing some bodacious cowboy boots. Now, is it to prove that he's Virginian or is it to prove that he's a maverick? Can it be both? Oh, okay. A Virginian maverick. Yeah, no, an industrial saboteur would not work on me. Thank you very much. Oh, okay. But it worked on her. It definitely worked on her because they're a couple now. And while... You probably just told her they were a couple now and she was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. She's in marketing, but she definitely seems to be a little more susceptible to <laughs> sentences than he is. Now, so the tone of this movie really changes when when we when him and Char- Chocolate Chip Charlie are on the case. It's really a fucking buddy comedy. It really is. I mean, when you have these two actors interacting with each other, they're fast walking, fast talking. Like dialogue is bouncing off either one of them, and it's kind of like Ghostbusters to me. Where where it's just, oh, what's happening? I can't believe this is really happening. Well, uh, horrific stuff is happening. I mean, they're punching people and their heads are caving in and breaking off like they're fucking made of cheese or something. I really something. like when they go for breakfast after this huge attack yeah. and figuring out a lot about the stuff and how it operates within people and what people are turning into, what the stuffies really are. Mm-hmm. And they go to get coffee and he's just like, yeah, you know, after all that head exploding my, my it really took my tummy off and these are so calm about it yeah the the reaction he said of mo's character when he punches somebody right through the head and he doesn't even react like, yeah this body hits the ground with part of its head missing he punched a guy's head in half basically and and that's just whatever i guess yeah and later he's like that was kind of that kind of turned my tummy kind of turned my tummy a little bit Wow. Well, they they part ways. He parts away from Chocolate Chip Charlie, and then that's when he's like with Nicole, and then he finds out that Jason is he's going to Jason's house because he wants to talk to him. Because okay, there's a boy who won't eat this. Why won't he eat this? Why is he making a demonstration about destroying the stuff in grocery stores? He runs into Jason as Jason is running away from his family after his like bro cream uh, <laughs> scam that didn't work, and jumps in the back of the car, and now like they're. Like he's with him now, and then he they meet up with Nicole, and he they, pukes in his car. He does puke in his car. He's like, "Yeah, yeah, you did." I just eat shaving cream. That was <laughs> hilarious. That was like one of my favorite scenes in the whole film. <laughs> well, I gotta eat shaving cream. <laughs> um, 
We all have to eat shaving cream sometimes. <laughs> we really do. But now they're getting on a, a private plane where they meet up because he, he Nicole is meeting up with Mo at this private plane. Mo brings Jason with him. And now they're going to back to the original spot where they found this shit in the fucking first place. Because they do have that much information. By the way, they had that information about where it was discovered a long time ago. They knew that. But they still felt compelled to try to get information out of people who clearly aren't talking. Well, I think it just didn't dawn on them that it came from a hole in the ground. Well, no. The name of this town where this mine is has, yes, definitely filtered through the dialogue since the beginning of the show. But I'm sure that they're thinking like, okay, well, who produces the sugar cane that you get the sugar from? Because there's obviously sugar in it. Who? What is the vehicle? Is it a dairy product? Like, they're thinking as a food. Mm Mm-hmm. Not a drug. And it's even being told to them that this is a food, it's not a, a drug. It's a food, yeah. So it's like, it could, yeah. They're thinking food. They're not thinking like something that comes out of the ground. Yeah. They're not thinking like that there's a single source for this. Yeah. They're like, what What are the component elements of this that is creating this stuff? Not the fact that the stuff is as is coming in. They have no idea. Even up until the last, like not the last moments of the movie, but the last like 20 minutes of the movie, they still don't know that it's coming from a singular source of the hole in the ground. But eventually when they go to the manufacturer, it's very much like, um, you ever, did you ever watch Futurama? Like you ever see that slurm episode where they it reminds go- me a lot of slurm in bachelor town. If it wasn't sweet, I kind of wish that there was a food like this, that people could just eat that, just that and su- survive and not have to think about like meals and stuff. This is in the Futurama episode. They go to the, the slurm factory and it's like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory with a whole bunch of like magic shit. And then, and, and everyone's just like, oh, don't worry. It's the secret. It's a secret ingredient. Don't worry about what slurm actually is. And it's coming out of like a slug's ass. <laughs> like The factory is just a lie. There's no manufacturing happening here. That's <laughs> why they have time for all the magic and fun and tricks. Yeah. It's true. It's true. The stuff is the same thing. There's this massive silos and silos of the stuff that are just everywhere. This entire uh, town's industry has been reformed to be creating and distributing this product from at least uh, a casual observer's perspective. But all the, all they do in the factory is actually put the stuff in the containers. Yeah, they just have a big hose running from a hole in the ground, basically. Yeah, basically. It's, it's, it's essentially just like a bunch of trucks now. Same as like oil sands. Yeah, you know? basically. Yeah, they're just siphoning this shit off out, mm-hmm. out of the ground. Yeah. So eventually, Mo and uh, well, Mo, Nicole, and Jason get separated. Jason uh, goes uh, becomes a boy detective and just let, sort of like sluice into the back of a of an empty oil truck, basically that that they use to like bring the stuff in. And now he's trapped in that. Mo basically wants evidence. He's they're they're there under the pretense of wanting to shoot a commercial at the factory for the stuff because Nicole still is the head of marketing. Yeah. For this product. So she has, like, access. He has proof, though. And that was this one of the times that I'm, like, yelling at the TV. That he doesn't need proof, proof. Yeah. They don't need to steal a truck for proof. Yeah. He has proof. He has photos. He has witnesses. Yeah. Yeah. They've already tried to, like, dissect this stuff in a lab. It's yeah. not like he needs a sample. Yeah. Samples everywhere. Yeah. But, yeah. So he's on this mission to steal a truck. I think it becomes like trying to make the, the, first of all, like it's a movie, so they need to, you know, have something a little bit more grandiose than 
a bunch of people standing in a in a courtroom saying, and we determine that yeah, the stuff is probably yeah. Um, if he doesn't go full on gangster and like fuck with their shit to the point of stealing things from them from the site and causing a great big hubbaloo and having everybody very aware that he's on to them mm-hmm. and go chasing after him, then there's no action sequences, right? Exactly. And how are we supposed to get the army involved? <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that whole fucking thing. But and meanwhile, Mo has also been paid off by the people from the the corporate head of the stuff has been attempting to give him twenty five thousand dollars in order to work for them. Twenty five thousand whole dollars. Well, twenty five nineteen eighty five twenty five thousand dollars is probably a lot of money. Yeah. Especially for one payday, and you would assume that that is just his initial payment. You know, that's good for starters. Mm-hmm. Um. But as he realizes that this is more about, like, a food company, like, this is more about, this is more than rival food companies. This is literally about saving people's lives. Because one of the things that is absolutely determined through either them at the hotel room where the stuff, like, tries to snuff them out, or the fact that they've seen what the stuff can do to people, the fact that the people who are consuming large amounts of the stuff are no longer human. Like they 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 are they are literally a vehicle for this product, and they're not. And it's fighting for its survival. If you want to look at it from the stuff's point of view, yeah, it's fighting for its survival, and it's trying to yeah snuff them out entirely. I really mm. like the the stuff face hugger scene. Yeah, in the hotel room, <laughs> and the hotel room scene is where this really does live within horror, and really does oh yeah like parallel things like they live. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you have like. The stuff like operating as this independent entity. It doesn't always need people to spread. It can move independently of itself. It's just you don't notice people. You would notice a big white blob mass moving around on its own. Um, the scene's really cool. It's a rotating room scene. It's the same set that they use for Nightmare on Elm Street mm-hmm. scene. Uh, the very famous blood scene, or the 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 drag scene, the death drag scene, not the the, oh, the blood they scene used as well. It, yeah, yeah. For sorry, Johnny Depp's death. For Johnny Depp's death yeah. as well. Yeah, sorry. But the the more famous dragging her body around the room. That's like totally everyone's favorite, right? Yeah. Um, it's where it lives in horror here because it is actually kind of scary, and it it, it turns on its own mm-hmm. host as well too, which is absolutely um, shows how relentless the stuff really is. Yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, there are moments where, you're, where you think to yourself, does this really count as a horror movie? But then you're seeing dogs' heads split open and people getting their heads punched in. And it's graphic. Yeah. And and it is disturbing watching people's mouths gape open and have, like, this stuff ooze out. And the fact that this stuff does attack uh, Mo like a facehugger. This stuff is not a malicious entity. It's an animal, basically, that is attempting to live and spread. So you can't, like a virus. It's like a fast-moving lichen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can't really say that the stuff is evil per se, although it is presenting itself and being uh, as a food stuff because of the people that initially ate it went to this corporate head and convinced them to market it. And so the, the stuff at least was cognitive enough to understand that, well, what's the best way for me to... I would assume that the stuff entering people's minds... There's a, a, a there is a bit of symbiosis there, so it could probably read once it's eaten, once it's consumed somebody. I would assume that it could read their thoughts or at least know what it knows. Because I, I don't know, man. Like yogurt grows and it's helpful, and people get a little bit excited about yogurt and want other people to eat yogurt. And we have commercials for yogurt on TV, and the acidophilus isn't sitting there going, "Yes, you've worked right into my plan. We will spread." Do you think that someone could, could someone could eat the stuff indefinitely and not die? 
Uh, probably if they were happy to eat the stuff all the time and the stuff wouldn't attack them. They have no reason to. Hmm. That's just a theory. And I'm surprised that I've dug that deep into the stuff. Oh, there's a, the stuff is saying a lot, I think. But I don't know how cognizant is, and I don't, like, I, I joke about it's fighting for its own survival and stuff like that. Maybe it does want to take over the world, and that's its point. But I, I think it's largely benign, because it sits in all these containers, patiently, mm-hmm. idling. I think if it was doing anything in the fridge, it was just removing the other food so that there was nothing else for them to eat but the stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, eventually they get their wish. Once the characters hijack themselves a truck, it is basically a full-on race to get to a place where they can spread the word. Now, there's small towns, but Mo uh, rightfully says, no, small towns in the adjoining areas, the, the, the place is crawling with stuffies. Like, like there, it's probably completely taken over. We need to go to large cities where there's still people that haven't consumed the product yet so we can actually get people on our side. Um, and people work. are a little more aware, like the scourge that is soft drinks in this planet. Mm-hmm. You go to like smaller and third world countries. There's a lot of people who still do every day drink Coca-Cola or pop. Like I don't want to vilify Coca-Cola, but like that's the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is all these small communities that they all all drink soft drinks all day long. And you go to a larger city now and there's going to be lots of people that do not fucking drink that stuff because it's like battery acid, right? Mm-hmm. So I can his point resounds in '85, and his point still resounds. So instead of going to a large city, what they do is they go to Colonel Spears. And wow, let me tell you something: this movie really takes a very stark left turn into South Park. Into South Park because now they have found a paramilitary group that. Mo is aware of because of the fact that he used to be in the FBI and the colonel, he knows things about the colonel. Which just seems so random. Like, he didn't plan this necessarily. It was like he was just driving by and, hey, I got some dirt on this guy. Let's pull in here. He does. The colonel likes uh, 17-year-old girls when he's married. Buys them apartments. Yeah. Pays their rent. Yeah, and 17-year-old girls are not, mm, it seems a little, seems like something that he doesn't want to get out. But it's weird because this guy is clearly a conspiracy nut extremist who is like racist and screaming about commies and all that kinds of stuff. He's got a lot of followers, too. He's got like 100 guys with fully like machine guns and military gear. It's like Michigan militia or something. It's I don't crazy. know any other paramilitary organizations. It's crazy popular. to me. Like maybe it's because we don't really do. We, do we have any of these things in Canada, like these paramilitary groups like this? No. So well, I, we used to in Quebec and stuff like that. Yes. Okay, so I don't like. I'm not saying that these things don't exist. It just seems the amount of equipment and manpower that they have is crazy to me. But they do, and he has this weird leverage over Spears, but he doesn't really need it because a dude like this that's a, that's wound this tight about conspiracies in the government and all this kind of shit. Do you not just think that you just have to tell him that there's a poisonous food stuff that is controlling people's minds? And he would not instantaneously just be on your side. This is a person screaming at dead people who are taken over by a killer food stuff and calling them communists. Like he doesn't have like the best grip on reality. Oh no, he's totally suffering from the worst post-traumatic stress disorder. And he's one of the person people taken out of the, the trenches in Vietnam that never really left Vietnam. Oh right? yeah. So dangerous scary individual really truly who's in charge of people and has 
guns. Lots of guns. Lots of guns. So he's going to use Colonel Spears to get into uh, just less than 100 miles from now, from there. They are going to get... And they're, they're going to invade the fucking uh, manufacturing plant. And so... Which makes sense. I mean, it would have taken them a lot to go to the large city, convince the actual army, if they weren't all stuffies, mm-hmm. to help him and to destroy this creature. Mm-hmm. Cause they, don't know who, a creature. they don't know who is a stuffy and who isn't. Yeah. Which it surprised me that Colonel Spears wasn't a stuffy in a way because he lives only 100 miles away from this thing. or He doesn't seem like a, a person that would buy a lot of food stuff, but there's a lot of people there. But Yeah, they're probably still eating rations from the 70s. <laughs> probably. But he does agree to help them. And then they cook up this... <laughs> Here's the thing that I think was so strange. They cook up this plan that they're going to... The truck that they stole, that they rescued Jason out of, that they have the stuff in the back of, that, I mean, a cop tries to pull them over with it. Which is my favorite joke in the whole thing. Because he's like, what? Are you going to arrest me for indecent exposure? And at first you don't get it. And I would have never got it as a kid. But he's got like a long hose, wink, wink, that's (laughs) dribbling white fluid all over the road. Oh, yeah. Indecent exposure. Uh, this is what it's like when I do that creepy stuff and, and you have to listen to it? I guess so. I don't know. Well, the <laughs> idea of like a giant dick dribbling cum all over the place crosses you. Uh, actually, it's kind of hot. Now, <laughs> so they cook up this stupid plot where they're going to pretend like one of the paramilitary guys found the truck, drove it back to open up the front gate. By the way... This is not a fucking military installation. This is literally like imagine like going to like the like like the place where they make fucking Cheerios. And and oh, I thought you were gonna say that tree where the Keebler elves live. <laughs> no. I was thinking about an actual like plant that exists, like the Hershey's chocolate factory or something like that. So what do you have at these uh foodstuff manufacturers? You have a lot of people that work there in fucking onesies, in these are yellow onesies in this case, and not exactly people that could withstand like a military operation. They have one guy at the door that's got a fucking handgun and he uses it, believe me. But then instantaneously, all the paramilitary guys just rush out of the fucking bushes and just like with machine guns blazing, just fucking invade the place. I was like, why do you need the, the stupid idea with like, well, we'll get them to open up the front gates. Fucking drive the truck through the gates and shoot them all. That's what you're doing anyway. Yeah, if that's the way you operate, yeah. <laughs> Unless just... they really thought that they could do this calmly and casually and humanely. But as soon as they walked in there, they were just like, flashback time. Uh, and yeah. every time you shoot a stuffy, they just erupt in like white fluid. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was more sexy when it's like dribbling down the highway. But whatever. No, I like it just when it erupts. It's like, ooh, it's a surprise. Like when it comes out their mouth? Yeah. Like when it's all over his face. Yeah. Well, well that happens to uh, Nicole when uh, well, when uh, when somebody uh, erupts in it. It's like, oh, this goes all over their face. I'm like, ha, <laughs> ha, Gross. The booze for a surprise. So once they invade this place, I mean, they sh- they light up a few of these employees that have like, no means of defending themselves, <laughs> except for the fact that they're stuffies, and so they the, the stuff in their bodies themselves is dangerous. But basically, every, all of the stuffies that are in the building got together, and the stuff just vacated the bodies. Now, when the stuff vacates a human body, it's essentially just a, a husk at this point. It's an empty 
shell. All your organs, all of everything inside you, your brain, eyeballs, everything. It's all gone. It's all gone. You're just basically a skin bag. And... Aren't we all? Yeah. Ugly bags of mostly water, to quote an episode of Next Generation. So the next plan is that they're going to just get into a bunch of small planes, like a a fleet of small planes that they have, that that the paramilitary has access to. And they're going to go to a radio station that Colonel Spears owns a couple of radio stations somehow. I guess that's just the biggest means of communication amongst military organizations, paramilitary organizations. Because now we have like the internet and stuff like that. So they Mm -hmm. had radio. Now what we're going to do is going to broadcast to everybody that the stuff is dangerous. And as they're setting everything up, Nicola's setting things up as basically an apology. She feels really guilty about the fact that she mass marketed this product to the masses which I guess is what you do with mass marketing. But um, uh, uh, Moa is very, like, this is not your fault. Like, you never made a mistake. Like, I don't understand, like, why you're... He's the type of person that's pretty unscrupulous, so... No, but she feels like she has programmed people to eat this stuff. And she was, like, largely responsible for unleashing it upon everybody. And I can I can understand why she would feel like that. I can mm-hmm. see why she wants to backpedal a little there. And she's the closest that they have to a producer in the building. So instead of just this military guy ranting mm-hmm. uh, on the airwaves... She's going to give a little bit of production and she's like, we need to convince them that we're right. So like who better to convince them? If she convinced them to eat the stuff, she can be the best person to convince them to not eat it, right? Well, you're not going to do any of this with that old chocolate chip Charlie. We forgot about him. And don't worry about where he's been for the last 45 (laughs) minutes or 50 minutes of this movie. And don't worry about how we found them because they're literally going to give us dialogue where it's like, don't worry about it. Like, oh, you don't want to hear about this, or you know me, I'm Chocolate Chip Charlie. I'm like, what the fuck? And so... Like, it <laughs> it's so cartoony. It's so cartoony because, like, don't worry about it. I'm just here now. And he wants to be part of the broadcast because they took his company. And not only that, Nicole points out the fact that Chocolate Chip Charlie has millions of adoring fans. So if it's coming from him, people will listen. So it seems like a good idea. Then Colonel Spears comes in with some very racist comments about how he doesn't want to he's like he doesn't even he's he looks like like a, a mad dog that is being held back from just killing chocolate chip charlie right on the spot for being a black man yeah it's crazy which it would have even been noticeably untoward in 1985 way that he's treating him that he doesn't want a colored in the building that's fucked up and that's yeah. like so 1970s but deep south racist town still so like we can't wrap our heads around that necessarily as canadians yeah and being alive in this day and age where that sort of behavior is totally vilified i don't know if that was like entirely outrageous for somebody like that to talk like that back then well, let me tell you, it's fucking outrageous from here. The idea, right. the idea that like you're fighting this, this let's say alien entity or whatever, something that you found at the center of the earth. Would you not just assume that every human then is who's not infected by the stuff is on your side? Oh, totally. And he like mixes in this like really like outdated racism with very current Cold War sympathies about communists. So yeah. he's like, yeah. you say any communist rhetoric on the radio you speak in code you sp- i'll blow your head off and and everyone's just like well, i guess like what are you gonna do like this guy is the dude with all the 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 firepower and it's his radio station so i guess you can't just be like well we're leaving 
but because they do need to get this broadcast out now chocolate chip charlie needs to pull nicole aside because he needs to tell her something and what follows is probably the set piece of the movie and the thing i remember the most oh this always this it's so fucking like it's creepy and as a kid like seeing this as a young i never saw this as a young kid but i bet seeing it as a young kid it would probably have fucking really freaked me out. At 10 years old, because it came, like, when it came out, it was when we watched it. Mm-hmm. I think this is why we tried to get our parents to buy the fluff <laughs> so that Terry could reenact the scene. Now, so what happens to Chocolate Chip Charlie is either, at some point, either he was always infected by the stuff or in, in the, the blank, the missing time when we don't see his character, he for some reason started eating the stuff or the stuff got to him. And now he is using his his familiarity with the characters to get close to them to kill Nicole specifically. I don't know why you wouldn't like try it's to another get... Trojan horse. Like they've used the truck of the Trojan horse in a way mm-hmm. to get in to the factory, and now he is the Trojan horse of the stuff infiltrating the, the radio station yeah. and getting close to Nicole into the soundproof. And he said we... to her, which is like very creepy setup for the scene where he's like, "I've seen what happens." When the stuff leaves a body, mm-hmm. when it vacates. Vacates the premises. Yeah. And that's exactly what happens. He holds Nicole tight and then his mouth gapes like twice, three times as long as is humanly possible. He looks like a fucking snake about to eat something. And like the special effects are pretty good. I mean, you can definitely see where the prosthetics start and his face begins. And then when... When they cut away and they cut back, you can tell, okay, it's just an entire rubber dummy. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, at the same time, there is um, a really eerie, uncanny valley quality to, like, the face. So it's, like, really fucking creepy, I find. And then when the stuff uh, vacates his body, he basically just, like, rips apart. It's pretty gory. Not, like, super bloody, but, I mean, it's body horror, right? So it's really fucking crazy. And he is just a husk, and they do it fairly well. Like yeah. They don't have to work with innards or anything as far as their special effects, making it easy. So what ends up happening is the fact that, like, Moe and, and, uh, and Spears are on the outside trying to break through the glass. Very aliens. <laughs> like, trying to get into the facehuggers and shit like that. While Jason is also locked in here. And, they're, and uh, you'd almost think that Nicole gets fucking screwed over. Because, like, as uh, Chocolate Chip Charlie blows up, all that white stuff goes on her face. And you're like, oh, shit, it's it's done. She's fucking one of them now. But we did see Mo get, like, the stuff completely wrapped around his face. Had to get lit on fire to get it off. It's super flammable stuff. Um, I guess if it doesn't get in your mouth, you don't ingest it, then you're fine, right? Yeah, you're fine. And Because I don't even know, like, how much of it do you have to eat before you're fucked, right? Because, well, we'll get to it because they change it up a little bit later by the end of the film. Now, from this, after they get Nicole and Jason out and the stuff of that was in Chocolate Chip Charlie is just burning alive, they finally do the broadcast. And then after they do the broadcast, in much the same way, it was like, oh, shit, we went from discovering the shit and, and now the stuff is on every shelf in America to just... And they did believe us. The broadcast <laughs> yeah. worked, you guys. And then we were treated to a, a brief montage of them. Blowing up the Dairy Queen or the uh, sort of the, the the stuff shack. It looks like a Dairy Queen. It's beside a McDonald's. So that is an honest error. And then and then the factory gets blown up and and then they say that the death toll was in the tens of thousands, which is actually pretty small. I I would have to say I would think if this movie was made nowadays, not only would they advertise the fact that the stuff is gluten free, they would also tell you that the death toll I bet you was in the millions. 
And if they don't have a crumbling Statue of Liberty somewhere in there, <laughs> then we don't have a disaster film. Well, like, or the, the stuff, the, the like, you know what will happen? A big wave of the stuff will and consume the Statue of Liberty. Symbolism. As long as it splashes all over her face. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, not only could this movie have been a little more pointed and satirical as far as its advertising, we could have had a lot more Bukkake references. <laughs> yeah, let's remake this stuff, Wes. Oh, shit. You know what? I'd be totally down for that. If I were to, you know what? Yeah. If I were to be like, hey, would you ever want to remake a horror movie from back in the day? Fuck yeah. The stuff. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I'm so into that. Yeah. I'm so into that. You listening there, corporate America? Which... Hey, no, fuck corporate America. Tom Savini, sir. Tom Savini. Take you, a break you, from Nightmare City. Yeah. You, you don't like, need you, Nightmare Tom, City. Tom, I know, I know you're listening and you like to remake stuff a lot. <laughs> so, well, I mean, not a lot, a couple times. Um, the stuff. I'm your guy. Lydia's your gal. Let's get this done. We need you. We need, we need you. you. We need you. Yeah. You're our only hope. We're not done yet because because guess what? Mo's gonna go back to the, like the the tippity top, the guy that funded all of the stuff's production in the first place, the guy that tried to pay him off the twenty five thousand G's to get him to work for him, comes in, but oh shit, comes in cool as a cucumber. He's got a plan. We don't know what it is yet. And they're talking to each other like corporate bad guys kind of do in movies from this decade. But oh shit, the original guy that hired him, the ice cream mogul, he's in on it too. Because you know what? May as well get rich. If you can't beat him, join him. Combine forces. And if you're a millionaire, you can be a billionaire. If somebody who would hire an industrial saboteur to take down the stuff seems like somebody who would probably just be like, ah, fuck it. I'm going to use some more money and just join this and become a conglomerate and people were just learning at the time how corporate america works and how oh, lobbyists yeah. work and stuff like that so it was kind of had that industrial and business intrigue angle mm -hmm. yeah but and and because of the fact that like nicole i was joking when we were watching the movie that like in a movie relationship nicole and mo are basically just married and they're probably going to adopt this little jason boy and, and it's just going to be like their little nuclear family. Basically. Because that's how it works in the movies, right? It's like you meet someone. Because you were, you were commenting about how they were talking about uh, living together or she was going to live off of him when she has to like quit her job as like being marketing. And I was freaking that they just you met. You just met. I'm like, in the movies? It's like day one, meet the character, don't really like each other. Day two, you're dating. Day three, you're like dying for each other. Day four... You steal a little boy. Adopting <laughs> the orphan, yeah. yeah door, because he is an orphan now because his... But he's not a kid anymore. He's not a kid anymore. He's done a lot of growing up. And yeah. th and that little boy shows up because he's basically... I just It's kind of like the professional to me where it's that he... This little boy is like Natalie Portman. Yeah, and yeah. He's, and, and like Mo is Leon and he's instead of teaching him to be an assassin, he's going to teach him how to be like a corporate guy because... He's going to teach him how to force feed people things? Force feed people because he, Mo pulls out a gun. And Jason shows up and little Jason's got a big old box of the stuff, which, by the way, is getting rebranded because this is what you know. It's like the, the, the people who manufactured the stuff have rebranded it as the taste and only 12% of the contents of the stuff is still in the taste, which makes it non-lethal to humans, but as highly addictive yeah. as the stuff was because the, the stuff has a very addictive quality to it. Sort of like those drinkable yogurts. Yeah, it's kind of like Yelp. So, is that how you say it? Yelp, yeah. Okay. Yeah, or Yop. 
I've just never I've seen it in the aisles, but I've done. Well, I'm 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 as on the go as today's youth, so I also need to drink sugar from a tube. And I'm fucking glad you do. <laughs> now, of course, they won't eat it themselves. This taste, even though it's supposed to be harmless, and we can market it to people. Don't worry about it. He's like, will you try some? He's like, don't be ridiculous. Obviously, it's not safe, but they don't care. And as long as they can get away with it, I don't know who would be fooled by a different colored container from no by the same company that called the stuff. Now it's called the taste. I wouldn't eat that product because I'd be like, well, wait a second. Wait, what? Wait, this is not that different. Um, they may as well have just labeled it not the stuff and just palette swapped it. Yeah. But of course, Jason shows up with this box and it's full of the OG stuff. It's like new Coke and then bringing back Coca-Cola Classic. You don't like the taste, but you like the stuff. These two have never eaten the stuff before. Now at gunpoint, they have a choice. You can either sit here and eat the stuff, which is a death sentence, or I can shoot you in the fucking face, which is a death sentence. I honestly would take the bullet. Be- yeah, because sugary, gross. Because like, I would be, I would and be, they have quite a lot of it, so they're gonna have to like choke down a hell of a but, lot. But like, of it's it. a death sentence. If if I thought that I could get away with not dying by eating this stuff, I would. But if he's saying like you're gonna die this way, you're gonna die this way, I would call his bluff. Maybe like, they avoid. They maybe they view it as like more enjoyable death. It's like death by snoo snoo, you know. <laughs> Going back to fucking Futurama. Yeah. How can you not? <laughs> like, this is a South Park Futurama venture, the stuff, totally. <laughs> Fuck Tom Savini, we'll just have it animated, man. Yeah. Get fucking Matt Groening on it. Like, yeah. come on, dude. You love this type of shit. Um, so they choke it down. And as we pan out and we leave our characters, assuming that they're going to die, they're just... They, uh, Mo and Jason eventually just walk away. They don't have to do anything anymore because they've eaten so much of the stuff. They're basically, like, on their hands and knees, like, trying to scrape out every last bit from every container it's that, quick, it's that quickly addictive i suppose cocaine works much the same way i don't know but it goes from floor pills to cocaine in my mind that's what this is about <laughs> right but now we uh we find that there's like a seedy underbelly that we didn't know about lydia the black market there's a black market of the stuff where people still want og stuff sort of like like Beanie Babies? Kind of like Beanie Babies, except where Beanie Babies became worthless, I bet you the stuff is more valuable. Like Sally Hands and Nail Wraps, the Halloween brands they don't have anymore? Oh, maybe. Sort of like that, how people are clamoring for that on eBay? Or at least I am? <laughs> Exorbitant prices for Halloween, outdated Halloween candy? No, outdated Halloween nail wraps. Oh. It's like nail polish, but they have like groovy little like spiders and bats and stuff. Did you say groovy? Yeah. I'm into it. Let's bring that back too. Okay. I've been I've been I've been saying radical a lot in the last few months, so I'm gonna put groovy in there too. Because I want a radical to come back. I don't think enough people say things are radical. But you know what's radical? The stuff. I'm gonna make a radical angle joke, this, but this I'm not movie, that math minded. This movie has a fucking post credit scene. Yeah, which I so wanted it to be from Cabin fever and have it be another <laughs> truck going A off. truck of the stuff just like going out to mass distribution. No. They figured out how to make it a drink. It's like weird. It's basically just drink. like a, a woman, just like the stuff. Like it's, it's it's almost like weird and eerie. Like a lot of the commercials were for the movie where it's just like more marketing. Like can't get enough of the stuff. 
type of thing. It's very brief. It doesn't really attribute to anything, but it's cool that they had it. Well, you're looking at commercials from the 80s now, not all of them, but quite a few of them are super fucking creepy. And then you go back to some of the print advertising in magazines from the 30s, 40s, 50s, and it's ultra fucking creepy. Mm-hmm. I, I love that angle of this, and I wish they could have even amped it up a little bit more. I think that like like a little bit more of the sheen, a little bit more of the artifice, a little bit more of the the plastic coating that you could put on advertisement unapologetically because nowadays people are so cynical and savvy towards what it is, what's put in advertisement that it's hard to really, like you can't do the old school, this is going to make you run faster, jump higher. This is going to make women like you. Well, we have things like shows on CBC like Age of Persuasion that break down how these appeals work and how advertisers get into our brains. We've seen enough, you know, horror films that play on that exact thing. So we're all in on it now. Mm -hmm. And we're back into a mode of not trusting advertisements and government and things of that nature. So, again, I think this movie would have to... No, you know what? It would still work because of the fact that this is really about a corporation and not about any sort of governing body. And one of the interesting things that they don't really go into, they go into it a little bit because there's that one scene with the cop, but they don't do the whole, we're going to the authorities immediately. And then we see that the authorities are all completely infected by our stuffies. We, you know, whereas I feel, and I was thinking, I I love that this movie doesn't waste my fucking time with these people trying to go to authorities or government and then, you know, them getting arrested for long periods of time because it'd be fucking the pits trying to watch a movie like that. It'd be super boring. Um, the fact that Moa, he <laughs> he operates outside of the law. He really does. He's doing illegal business practices. Mm-hmm. So he's not the type of person that would go to the authorities where certain characters might think that that would be the best course of action. Go to the police, go to the government. Cause that's just, that'd be a waste of film in my opinion, because us as the audience would know, well, whoever, whatever authority figure they're going to go to is eating the stuff right now. Yeah. So why bother? Yeah. And Mo knows that he also knows who would be on the take or not, because he's got all that inside information that he keeps in his back pocket mm-hmm. to whip out at any given moment. So yeah. he's got a lot of dirt on a lot of people too. So yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad that they didn't go that way at all. And it keeps it sort of insular. It keeps it like at the time there was a lot of distrust of authority figures as it is. Mm-hmm. So it's much more appealing to work outside the law. Let me ask you this. This is the big question. I've been saving it oh. for the entire show. Mm-hmm. What does the stuff taste like in your mind? Fluff. Marshmallow fluff. That stuff in a can that you can go buy at the store right now and stacks and stacks of it. It's, it's got to taste. It's got to be sweet. They say it's sweet. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be like marshmallow fluff. That's what I think it tastes like. I always think it probably tastes like soft serve ice cream to me. Soft serve ice cream. Okay. Because yeah. it kind of looks like soft serve ice cream. Yeah. Like, it would just look like, like if you were to go to McDonald's and you'd want like a soft serve cone, mm-hmm. it would, or like maybe a cross between the, a, soft serve, a soft serve McDonald's cone 
and frozen yogurt or Cool Whip? Well, it's I don't think it's it looks more substantial than Cool Whip, more gelatinous. It does now that you mention it. But more like soft serve, but it doesn't have to be cold. That's true. Yeah, that's why I keep thinking of fluff because it's room temperature stuff. Um, I have to try fluff. I feel like after the show, I might go and buy fluff. Some fluff, yeah. <laughs> well, keep it away from me because I got nothing to do with fluff. Thanks. You can get some fluff and some Nutella, and make s'mores. I guess is that what people would do? With and just that? like put a whole big handful of bacon in it. And oh, eat that. God. You know, there's people out there that are like, that sounds amazing. Oh, and it's going to be all over their Pinterest. All my favorite foods in one heaping helping. I have absolutely no appetite now, thanks to this show. Uh, none at all. Have I eaten today? No. Do I need to? Not anymore. <laughs> what do we got next for him? Next, we have My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Happy Canada Day, everybody. Happy Canada Day. We'll also have a special guest. We've spoken with Jim Murchison, who had played Tommy. He played Tommy in My Bloody Valentine, and so we have a special ghost. A special ghost. <laughs> I mean, guest. He's here in Ottawa, and this is like the capital, so it's perfect to have this kind of exploitation horror slasher classic. Mm-hmm. And we get to speak with somebody. It's our first interview episode, so I'm looking forward to that. Yep. I'm a little nervous. What if he doesn't like me? I think you'll like it just fine, because you're a fan of this genre. We're stuck in the 80s. Stuck as fuck in the 80s. I <laughs> hate every minute of it, but I love every minute of it, because I, myself, am an 80s kid, for sure. But damn it, I want to do a contemporary horror movie like you would not fucking believe. Oh, and we got some coming. Don't you worry. Don't you fret, because we're not done just yet. Oh, God. All these TV jingles have infected you. (laughs) Maybe you shouldn't go eat fluff. And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air. The show is here now. Great new day sensation. Light and free now. Get you elevation. Enough is never enough. Enough is never enough of the stuff. The stuff, the taste that makes you hungry for more. The stuff, the taste that delivers. Enough is never enough.